It's time to unify and simplify the IT world. We are here to do that one podcast at a time. I'm Steve. I'm McKay, and welcome to the Interchange IT Podcast. McKay, I love that music. I do too. It just makes me happy. Yeah, I just get excited. It's fantastic. Gets ready to podcast. So, Steve, I understand that before before we start, we have a special guest today, we should say. We do. We have the CEO of Avanti, Mr. Steve Daly, is in the room with us, uh-huh. and we're interviewing him, and I'm yep. really excited about it. So, <laughs> before we get to our CEO, though, we, we have to... You got in trouble with our neighbors a moment ago. I did. So our, so, our office, we have an office building, and next door are our friends at Morgan Stanley. Yes. You got I, in trouble. What did I, you do? I used to work there. Is that right? Yeah, I used to work in that office uh, for about two years. I worked there. And we have some interns here. Okay. And we have a video guy, Rob. <laughs> video guy, Rob, who just started. Just started. And Handsome he's, Rob from Italian Job. He's a, video guy, Rob. He's video guy, Rob. Yep. And he's doing a video for uh, our interns. You know, to you come do? do an internship yeah, at like a Promote internships. Exactly. Absolutely. Like, kind of like we're doing Rolled right now. Old Young Minds. Yes. Indeed. And so I fly a drone. And I, I do drone footage. And he asked me to bring my drone and, and do some video of the building. And, um, and these guys, there's a food truck over by the Morgan Stanley office. <laughs> right. And film these guys from the air. And so I, I've got the drone over there. <laughs> and all of a sudden, three big security dudes come out. Of the Morgan Stanley Of the Morgan office. Stanley office. Because they took security very, very, sure. very seriously. Morgan Stanley. Yeah. And uh, you know, what are you doing over there? Well, the great thing was, because I used to work there, I'm like, oh, Todd says it's okay. You <laughs> Todd. <laughs> and they're like, oh, Todd says it's okay? Yeah, Todd says it's okay. All right, good. <laughs> so they walk <laughs> right back in the building. So if we ever get in trouble with the Morgan Stanley people, we'll be like, Todd, Todd, Todd says Todd it's okay. Todd says it's good. Yep. Todd's fine. Yep. <laughs> That's awesome. So. Well, good. I'm glad you're here and in one piece and didn't get beaten up by our neighbor's security guards. They did not beat me up. I weaseled my way out of it like <laughs> good. usual. Good. Yeah. All right. So, Mr. Daly, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's exciting to have you here. Thanks yeah. for doing this. He, he was told to just, hey, we've got to go to McKay's office real quick. And no one even really <laughs> told him what this was until he walked in. So he's yeah, and I just want to know who paid sport. for all this stuff. <laughs> exactly. Steve did. I did. Oh. This is, yeah, it's actually my <laughs> <laughs> he's like He's like, no, really. I seriously yeah. It makes me nervous to know it's sitting in McKay's office at night. uh, You should be nervous. Um, (laughs) Might sell it on Amazon or something. All right. So before we get into really the topic today, because you've been in the IT world for how long? How long have you worked in the IT space? I began my career at Intel in 1992. Okay. So that's a while. Yeah. So we're going to get into that and sort of the, the career arc, but also what's changed or what is, has stayed the same among the, in the IT world and with the IT buyer. But before that, we kind of want to just do a little speed round. You up for a good speed round? I'm up for a speed round. All right, sounds good. So, favorite movie? Uh, Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid. Well, there you go. Favorite band? My favorite band um, is probably Motley Crue. Motley Crue. Ooh, I do like Motley Crue. Seinfeld or The Office or neither? The Office. The Office. Oh, good answer. You That's have the favorite, right answer. Because I sometimes find with The Office, there's not really a favorite episode because there's so much stuff that happens in each episode. You have like <laughs> a favorite sequence of The Office that you're like, oh, that was, that was funny. Uh, usually it's anything that involves, um, well, I don't know. It's uh, the one where, uh, where he's showing uh, first aid. And <laughs> yeah, that's mine. takes off the mask and starts going. <laughs> Stabs him in the chest. Stanley has a heart puts attack. Puts his face on him, and yeah. 
<laughs> and then they get to the meeting in New York with the executives, and he's like, why did you have to cut the face off? <laughs> yeah, that's so good. Okay, at what store are you most likely to max out your credit card? That would probably be, uh, that would be Cabela's. 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 That's a yeah. good one. I like that. Yeah. Well and done. easy to do. <laughs> yeah, very yes. easy. You have one backpack and your card is done. <laughs> um, favorite TV show growing up? Uh, that's a good one. Um, Gilligan's Island. What is your you favorite? You don't even know what that is. I know. Yeah. Gilligan's Island. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Our tour. Yeah. I grew up on that. You know, that so came on after car early morning cartoons. Yeah. On TV Land. <laughs> what is your favorite breakfast cereal? Cinnamon food? Toast Crunch. Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Yeah. And does it would that supersede like your overall favorite breakfast food, or would that be like you have another favorite breakfast food in addition to the cereal? Yeah, I I usually like um, I don't usually like sweets for breakfast, so I would say you know a good omelet would be much better than cinnamon toast crunch. I'm with you there. Good yeah. omelet. All right. Yeah. Favorite reality show if you have one. I hate reality shows. All right. Uh, the correct answer is The Prophet. I love that show. <laughs> the Prophet. That's right. I've never even heard of it. It's a good show. <laughs> CNBC. It's CNBC. probably my wife hates it. Um, okay, tell us your least uh, least favorite pet you've ever had. Because <laughs> <laughs> usually people like, what's your favorite pet? It's so like, we had this dog we had this cat that got diabetes. And so my family all loves cats, everyone except me. And so we ended up taking it into the doctor, the vet, and he gave us an IV that we would have to put put in the cat IV. an IV to, to to rehydrate the cat and we'd have to do this every week and insulin shots oh, to wow. give the cat and I so I hated that cat the cat died four days later <laughs> in an unrelated accident the diabetes went away did it really? really it did and we gave it an insulin shot and it went into a coma <laughs> so Where I don't know did you go? I don't I don't know who gave it the shot <laughs> that that is un, unknown that's awesome. All right. And then do you have a strange talent? And if so, what is it? Uh, strange talent? Um, for stare contests, I can use move my nostrils. Out like that. that does add an element to it. So if you're having That's a stare I, contest with the CEO, yeah. if you're in like an interview situation with him, he just starts moving his nostrils. That's how I beat Morton in the game uh, that we played in Interchange. Oh, is that right? Yeah. A lot of flaring. Yeah, yeah. yeah that'll do it. <laughs> Distracted him. That'll do it. <laughs> All right, fair enough. So let's dig into this a little bit. So I'm, uh, I've got your LinkedIn profile pulled up here. So, okay, so you graduated from BYU in mechanical engineering, and yep. you ended up being the CEO of an IT software company. Yeah, weird, huh? That is. So, so, so mechanical engineering, what did you want to do? Be a mechanical engineer, probably. Yep. So, what? yeah, what did you want to do, though? What was the dream? What was the vision when you got into that? Yeah, so that I was going to do, uh, and I did work during school uh, for a consulting engineering firm. And we would do HVAC and plumbing design for commercial buildings. And uh, so when I graduated with my undergrad, I went to work for them. They were based out of Portland, Oregon. And, um, and I went to work for them, and I wanted to start my own engineering firm. And so I thought, I'll go back and get a business degree. My wife, I'd, I'd gotten married right after I graduated. My wife needed to finish up her degree, and she had started it at BYU. So we thought, hey, I'll go back. She had two years left. I can get an MBA while she finishes up her undergrad. And uh, then we'll come back, and I'll, I'll have skills that I can start up an engineering firm. Interesting. So what was the biggest, biggest thing you wanted to? Yeah, what did you want to, what yeah, did you want to like, work what, on? Yeah. 
what did I want to work yeah, on as an engineer? I know a guy who's a, he started an uh, engineering firm where he works on drainage ditches. Yeah, no, no, we were doing HVAC. So like, that's what you want to do was HVAC? Yeah, and, and plumbing for commercial high-rise buildings. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah, awesome. That's what I thought I would do. That's yeah. interesting. So MBA happens, and did you switch gears while getting your MBA? Or did it just sort of, you got the MBA and that was still the plan, and then suddenly things just sort of changed based on the opportunities you got? Yeah, so um, so I really liked the MBA, the, the style of education, right? You, you got the case studies, everybody, it's really collaborative. It's not just a guy sitting up at a blackboard, you know, writing writing um, formulas all day long. And so I really liked that part of it. And uh, Intel came to campus, and Intel recruited a lot of people out of uh, out of BYU. And uh, so I thought I'd, I'd try... I try uh, applying there, and um, and I actually ended up applying about I, I interviewed about five different times trying to get jobs at Intel because I just really liked I just saw the technology seemed really cool to me, mm-hmm. so I thought yeah, I'll, try, I'll try to get. So into they, Intel. did they come to campus and do the whole dog and pony show in the big room, and there's the booths, and you go yep. and talk to the Intel they guy. They show you like videos with the. They filmed at the office, kind of like we just did. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's funny videos. Exactly. Funny videos. Yeah, no. Yeah. So you you sat down with it, and did they just did they not have something that suited you? What was you t- had to talk to them multiple times? What was they didn't watch the first couple times? Yeah, they didn't. They so I got no. yeah no they, they they passed on it, and so I just kept trying. So you know I I didn't get it the first time. Um, I I had a buddy that was working at Intel. He 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 threw he, uh, he threw me some leads on some opportunities and who to talk to and i just kind of went in the back door and got and got my job at intel you know i found that's honestly sometimes the best way to find the best gigs is to it's the networking you know it's the everybody's going in the front door but if you know a side door or back door yeah that's the way to do it yeah so what did you start doing there? Were you in marketing initially or what? So actually the, the first job I got there was um, Intel was building a, f- a fab, you know, a, a plant for building chips in Oregon. And it was, the budget was out of control. And so they needed somebody to come in and help them get the budget under control. So I got a finance job where I was working and they were doing all this, you know, HVAC plumbing installations. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. So you're like, I know this. Yeah. So I said, I, yeah, I can do this all night, you know. And so, and so I started in that and then I, um, so I I got into the finance uh, role and in finance at Intel, they would rotate you every two years and into new jobs. Was it? Was the purpose just to see kind of different parts just of the company? Just to give you, yeah, just to give you different a- access to different parts of the company. And so I, I rotated in and started doing a budgets and planning job. And then um, it was time to rotate for my second rotation. And I had an opportunity to either come down and uh, help with Landesk, which was a mm-hmm. division of Intel at the time, or I could have gone to Arizona and helped with, you know, strategic planning for where all the next fab capacity was going to be placed around the world. And, uh, and it just sounded really cool to get involved with software. So I said, I'll come down to, I'll come down to Utah. And, um, and then from there, uh, I spent, I spent a few years, uh, in finance. I went into sales ops at Landesk, at, at, at Landesk. I was at Landesk and then I rotated, I did a, a, a tour, in Brazil, I uh, did an expat assignment in Brazil, helping set up all the Latin America sales offices, uh, and then I came back and I transferred into um, into marketing, okay. uh, and and then into strategic planning, and then ended up as a director of marketing for for Landesk. So, what year did you come back to Utah to to work on that division of Intel at the time? 
So I, I came down, uh, I first came down, uh, that was 1997. Wow. 1997 or 98. Do you know what I, I love how this is like, yeah, I got into IT software, you know, by way of marketing, made it, you know, went through finance and hung a left at, at, at mechanical engineering. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny <laughs> the path of life. <laughs> you know. that, that's cool. So you, so when Landus was a division of Intel, how strategically important was that to Intel at the time? What was Landus doing at that time? Yeah. Like, when I first got frame that for when us. I first got here, Landesk was really small. It was like fifteen million dollars, and there was fifty people. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, if you remember, when the Pentium came out, the Pentium Pro, which was the server, uh, they wanted to um, really Intel was positioning it as a way to reduce your total cost of ownership. And so the Landesk division came super strategic to Intel at this time because okay. they recognized that. Uh, if it didn't get cheaper to manage distributed assets, it could be an inhibitor to, to microprocessor adoption. Mm-hmm. And, so, and they were trying to, you know, we were, at the time we were trying to differentiate from AMD and, okay. and all these things. And so that was the, uh, the, the goal was, uh, that's when Landis really became strategic. To- so talk to us about the IT buyer there, because once you got into marketing and even in the strategic planning role, I'm sure you started to become familiar with the IT buyer and what they were after and stuff. But and that's the people who listen to this podcast or people interested in IT or IT people themselves. How has the IT market or IT buyer the same as it was, you know, in 1997 versus 2017? And how's it different? Yeah, so it, it's, you know, it's very similar. Um, the problems that, that IT is trying to solve are different now. But at the time it was, you know, how do I, how can I support all of these distributed devices that are out there, right? And, and at the time, it was a desktop mostly. Uh, in kind of mid '90s, it was mostly desktops. Uh, and but you had a there, few laptops at that time. You, you, you know, those, you, those are the laptops that they get, like the Road Warrior would have. They're yeah. like weigh like twenty five pounds. <laughs> yeah, like, that's right. You have to check them, right? Because yeah. they're, yeah. they're too big. I right. my, you check them back. Uh, no joke. My uncle worked for one of the big five accounting firms, and he would come to Salt Lake to travel, and he'd bring his his IBM. Like his giant IBM, he actually had to have surgery because <laughs> he carried it so much. He carried it on his one shoulder so much. Yeah, that he had. That's <laughs> awesome. And I remember he used to have like the the remember the the token key that he'd pull out like the card that was the big. That's card. Right, right, right. To, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and so so, but but again, it was a challenge because you know the world had been used to mainframes and minis, which were very centralized, and now you had this distributed. Uh, and so it was all about, you know, how do we do this to these remote sites? How do we keep them up and running? Um, security wasn't as big a deal back then, frankly. Uh, but, um, but even then, we had an antivirus product at the time because viruses were starting to really take off kind of in the mid-'90s. And so, so it was a lot of the same problems, uh, just in a different scale. It was what's in the, you know, what's in your behind the corporate firewall, and whereas now it's all, you know, it's just we're everywhere, right? It's just ubiquitous outside of the firewall, inside the firewall. It doesn't matter anymore. The, the boundaries of the corporation have changed so much. But, but really, the, the problems are very similar. When did you see that change really start to, to kick over? Um, so we started to see it with laptops. So kind of late, late 90s, we started to see, you know, um, mobility start to kick in. But it really wasn't until it was probably, you know, 2000. 10-ish. Really? Yeah, nine, you know, kind of late, you know, just before, 
Yeah, probably before the turn of the decade there, uh, we started to see mobility really starting to take off. Okay. And was that the big change? It's just that now it's everybody has a, the iPad and everybody yeah, has, has a phone. Yeah. There's a phone that's... Yeah. I, I heard a stat that said our phones have, like, by orders of magnitude, more processing power than the entire world at the time we spent sent the Apollo 11 up. Yeah. Right. But yeah, it's, it's crazy it's remarkable. to think about that. So you, you were at Intel for 10-ish years, right? Yep. And what, why did you leave Intel? So I left to do a startup. Okay. And, and so I did a startup here in Utah. Um, the guy that used to run the Landis division had left and started a VC firm. He called me up and said, hey, um, I've, got the, these, I've got these two engineers, and got a great idea, but my partners won't fund it unless we bring in somebody that knows how to run a business uh, and has more business experience, a couple engineers. And so, um, so it, was one of the, it, was, it was one of these things where he calls me up at like 6 o'clock at night I said, oh, that's that's interesting. He said, okay, well, if you're interested, go over to these guys' house. Gives me the address. Says, you need to work on a presentation because you got to present tomorrow to my to my partners. <laughs> and and so, like, okay, yeah. And so I go over there, and uh, you know, first of all, they're they're not really happy to see me. They're they're trying to raise funding. Um, they're you know they've got their arms crossed. They're looking at me saying, and the, one of the guys said, you know, the only reason you're here is because the funding comes with you. And if the funding doesn't come with you, you're not here anymore. <laughs> if the funding doesn't come, then <laughs> yeah, you so, don't come. <laughs> so, so I thought, okay, well, this I don't have to take this job. So, right. you know, uh, in the back of my mind, but we, you know, we sat down until two, three in the morning, fixed, got you know, got some sleep, went over, and essentially, you know, sat there at one of those big board tables, you know, and and all of the partners sitting around, and uh, it was essentially a group interview uh, of me. Uh, because they'd already been sold the, the value proposition, and we sat in there, and then they put us off in this little room, and they said, "Okay, we'll, we'll give us give us some time to deliberate." And it seemed like that we were there for like three hours. We just were, sitting, just in this sitting room. in this room, right? And with uh, these guys, arms crossed, just staring. <laughs> yeah, at yeah, and they're just like, you know, if it doesn't come through, you're gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, and finally, they came in and said, "Hey, okay, we'll give you the funding." Um, and uh, and so went. So I I became CEO of a company called Soranti. Um, we, we were, uh, we were not very well capitalized, so we were really shoestring, um, along the way. And, um, it was about six months in, I mean, it was one of these things where, uh, it was Comdex at the time was still going and Comdex mm -hmm. was going on. It, it was the classic tale of, we, we have our business development guy, we're in a garage We're we're, it was a hardware, it was a remote access, um, piece of hardware for servers. Um, we're in the garage spray painting the outside of it, and he <laughs> takes it down to Comdex and just walks into all these booths of all these um, remote, you know, either a KVM company or a remote uh -huh. access company, and and uh, says, "Hey, we're we're gonna come out with this product. You guys interested in OEMing it?" And so we ended up landing um, Avicent as an OEM customer. Okay. Um, and, and, uh, they were the reason, I mean, we had, we had four or five that were interested, but Avicent was willing to pay us a prepaid uh, so that we, you know, could manage mm -hmm. cash flow. We didn't have to, because we were so undercapitalized and, um, and we got, they, we gave them some exclusivity. And when that exclusivity ran out, they said, okay, we like the product. We like you guys. Uh, we want to acquire you. And awesome. So, so it was it's almost about like the first part was it was down payment on. It was a down payment <laughs> down on the, payment on the yeah, acquisition. Yeah, yeah. And so, so we uh, we got acquired, and that was about. So it was from 
when we first got funded till acquisition was about 13 months. Wow. So it was really quick. So you went from Intel, which was at that time, how big when you left Intel? How big was Intel? Uh, we were doing about, um, it was probably three or three billion a quarter. Jeez. A quarter. A quarter. Yeah. Oh. Just a quarter. Oh. So then then you go to a startup, which is literally like three dudes in a garage spray yeah. painting stuff, yeah, yeah, yeah. to then being acquired by Avacent in a period of... That was a wild 14 months for you. That was. It was crazy. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, it was, yeah, it was a wild 14 months. Uh, and, you know, it was, it was fun. It was a lot of, it was scary. And your wife survived. My wife survived, right? Yeah. She, was and, there a conversation when you... had more faith than I did through <laughs> did this process. She? she did, yeah. Because that would have been, I can you know, imagine that yeah. conversation of leaving into like, so I've got this job and it's stable. Really want to make these things in a garage with some dudes. What do you think? <laughs> with spray paint. <laughs> with spray paint. With spray paint. No, for real. Like, was that a that must have taken a little bit of uh, faith or courage, yeah. whatever the yeah, term yeah. is. And, she, and like I said, she was she was more convinced um, in my abilities than I was at the time. In fact, we got we the the funding we got was tranched, and so there was these milestones, sure. right? We had yep. to get letters sure. of intent from OEM people. And it looked like we had to get five letters of intent from different OEMs and uh, to get the next round. And we were running out of time, and we were running out of money. And it looked like yeah, I didn't know if we were going to get them. And so I, uh, I actually got really nervous, and a, a buddy of mine was working at Novell, and they had just brought in a new CMO, and he was trying to shake things up. And so he said, hey, you ought to interview with this guy. Um, because he's going to bring in some new blood. And so I said, okay, I'll do that. And so um, we get, I, I scheduled an, an interview, um, got, and, and I got all the way up. In fact, I got on the phone with the guy, and I just felt like, you know, I can't, I can't stand here with one foot on the pier and one foot on the boat, right? i got to be all in. <laughs> so I just said to him, I said, hey, um, I know this is bad form, but you know what? I, I got I to gotta see this through. I got to see if we can get the funding. I've got to, um, and, and you know, I may be coming back in three months because we ran out of <laughs> money. Begging you to forget this whole conversation. Job, <laughs> but I, I don't want to waste your time now. Right. And so, and so he was, and he was cool. He said, "Yeah, actually, that reflects that reflects very well on you." And so I, I, I hung up the phone, and I'm like, "Okay, I'm all in." And uh, we ended up getting the, the the funding, and then we ended up getting Avacent to prepay, and we you then know, the acquisition was all. It reminds all. me of like a season of Silicon Valley. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Seriously, yeah, but we didn't. Yeah, you know, that's quite a <laughs> smoking weed. <all laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> different thing entirely. <laughs> <laughs> different deal. Yeah. yeah, no, but just Utah startups are a little different. A little they different are. than that, yeah. yeah. You drink root beer in the garage. <laughs> Sprite. We're going to get the real stuff. That's right. We're going to go get the barks. The IBC. <laughs> Break IBC up the barks. Root beer. <laughs> so Avacent was how large at that time? And Avacent, um, there's a few people here still that were from those days at Avacent, yeah. right? Yeah. So Avacent, when I got in there, was about, they were doing about $250 million in revenue. Okay. Um, and I went to work for them, and uh, I went into OEM sales. So they, you know, so the technology that we had was was we were selling it as an external box, but what the what the what the Dells and the HPs and the you know Japan Inc. and the Taiwanese companies could do is take our technology and just embed it on the motherboards. And so my job began running the embedded OEM group. Mm -hmm. And so I went, I went, so from there I went into sales, started doing, uh, uh, selling to the OEMs, uh, which is an interesting, it's, it's really interesting, different sort of sales process because, you know, the OEMs are looking out three to five years. 
Right. Right. So, so their cycles at the time were such that, you know, in order for them to deliver three years from now, they had to be designing today um, what the motherboards look like, what technology was going to go in there. Uh, and so, um, so we were, I got really involved, spent a lot of time in Taiwan, um, time over in, in um, Japan, as well as with the big, you know, the big three OEMs here, IBM, HP, and, uh, and Dell. At the time, so were, were you primarily working on the product that you had, that that you the company you guys had done that was acquired, or did you branch out into various other products that Avison had in terms well, of? They, Avison already had some technology in this space, and okay. so we kind of we we it was a portfolio of technologies that we could sell to those guys. So what did you? What was that? Because that is again, it, it's quite a shift, both from Intel and from the startup. I mean, top things you learned during that period, um, because what I'm, I mean. Honestly, from applying to Intel multiple times and then having the courage to stick it out at a startup, how did those like sort of persistent experiences help you at now Avacent and then we'll get into Landesk again? Yeah, so I think the great thing about Intel was it was a great place to start my career. I learned a ton, um, you know, uh, about just how to run a business, business process. You know, I spent some time in one of my rotations doing strategic planning, uh, right? And so really, really got a good foundation of what it takes to run a business. Uh, and then the, uh, I applied some of those when I was at Soranti. Um, but Soranti taught me that, um, one, there's, there's huge power if people will just kind of pitch in and do whatever. Right. They, you, spray you, paint the spray paint spray everything. Paint, paint, right. I was, you know, yeah, so it is a yeah, yeah. That's right. as, as yeah. a CEO, I was doing testing. Sure. Right? So I would, you know, it was a remote access. So I would get on and we had a test plan and I'd watch and I'd see, you know, does it move? Do you lose pixels in the, in the process and all this stuff? And right. And, and so I learned that, you know, there's, and, and, you know, 13 months from first funding to, to exit, right? You can do a lot of really cool things if everybody's just willing to kind of yeah. jump in and, and solve the problem. I also learned that you just got to be all in, right? You can't, you can't have a foot on the pier. You got you to gotta, you gotta jump in and, and just ride it out, and then you know, you'll figure out what goes on next. Did, that, you, did you feel like you had any uh, – because you're, you're not a computer science guy. You don't come from that background. That's not what you studied. Right. Um, you know, I've worked for, for companies before where – you know, the CEO was the guy who was coding in his in, in his parents' basement. You right. Know. Right. Did you have any think any additional challenges kind of coming from a mechanical engineering or a marketing background? He's integral in our HVAC actual... systems in the building, though, which is vital. Yeah, we got a problem with the Honeywell thermostat. <laughs> I'm all over it. I'm all over it. My office is warm. Can you come and help me? <laughs> you know, I never ran into that. Um, I. Um, I was uh, uh, I spent a lot of time. So when I got when I got to to Landes, for instance, you know, I bought one of the books on TCP/IP, right? And I just I just learned about <laughs> networking for dummies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and I just learned everything I could about you know networking. And and uh, so I felt like I felt like it never it never was really a, a hindrance for me um, because I could I could grok kind of what the value proposition was. I could grok what the you know, how the technology worked without understanding, you know, the bits and bytes Got it, of sure. the code. And then um, found that, you know, I always had really smart people around me that understood that, that I could talk mm -hmm. with. Yeah, right. That um, helps. And so, so from that perspective, I've never, I never felt, uh, I never felt at a disadvantage. Did the guys at Saranti ever unfold their arms and just kind of like, all right, you're now one of us? Um, yeah, most of them. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, we had to split with one of the founders at one point. Oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It got it, you know, it, it got a little bit messy. That happens also with startups. Yeah, you just going from this germ, it goes in different directions than yeah. people intend. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so how did you find your way back to Landesk then? Like, what what happened there? So, how, so how did I was this whole at uh, I was at Avacent, and I had been running the embedded OEM division and Avacent decided they needed somebody to help them with strategy um, and so I took a I took a um, uh, a new job within Avacent and I actually moved from Utah to Alabama Huntsville Alabama where they're they're located to to work with the um, work closely with the CEO on corporate strategy and so Avacent was in a tough spot because Avacent was selling KVM switches right and um, what was happening was this technology that we had sold them uh, this embedded technology was basically replacing KVM switches with embedded technology on the OEM. And whereas you could charge $50, $60, $70 a port on a KVM switch, you're going to get six, eight, ten, maybe, uh-huh. maybe, maybe right. teens dollars when you embed it. And so mm-hmm. um, what, what, what we recognized was there was real power, though, in um, – the relationships we had, the OEMs, every one of the OEMs was selling our technology or embedding it, um, that if we could kind of move up stack and, and we could start to provide software that, uh, one, took advantage of the remote access capability, which was always, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's out of band. So yeah. it didn't rely on the OS being, if, if at the time, if you blue screened, you could still get to the server remotely uh, and reboot it and do all right. that kind of stuff, right? And so we... we um, so we started down a strategy of okay, how do we build out that that stack um, uh, on top of, of that core remote access capability, and that led us to um, to we were looking at both Alteris and Landesk as potential acquisitions mm-hmm. as a way because we knew we couldn't do it organically, we didn't have the DNA, we had to acquire into this, and so we ended up um, acquiring Landesk, and uh, at the time they said. Um, yeah, you got a bunch of Alabama guys, and nobody wants to move to Utah to run it, right? right. So, so they go. But we got Daly. <laughs> he came it. from Utah. He came from yeah. Utah. So, so they, you know, they they asked me to come back and run, cool. run Landesk. So that was two thousand seven. So did it feel a little bit because you'd worked on that division at Intel for a, for a couple of years, right? For a few years, was it a little like? coming home, you've been here then in that capacity really since, right? Because I feel like it can be like either classes. going home or it's like, oh, you're going back to the kid's table. Right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's like, we don't want to go to Utah. Yeah. How did you see that and then how how did it evolve from from there? When did when did it spin out of Avacent? How did that whole thing work? Yeah, so um, yeah, so I, it was a bit like coming home. It, there were still a lot of people here that I had worked with that um, it, was good to, it was good to be back working with. Um, and um, so we, we, that was 2007. In 2009, Avacent was acquired by Emerson Electric. Uh, and Emerson Electric had a lot of assets in the data center at the very low infrastructure level, like power, right? Liebert units for air conditioning, the power distribution units, those types of things. And they were trying to move up the stack because they were afraid mm-hmm. that um, the IBMs of the world were trying to come down into their space. So, th- so they wanted data center, the data center assets that Avacent had that they didn't necessarily want the, the endpoint asset. and yeah. the software stuff. Right. And so in 2010, they spun us out, and that's when we became a private company. Uh, and, um, and we could really focus, because at Avacent we had kind of a desktop to data center 
um, strategy for software. And here, once we spun out, we basically said, okay, we're focused on end-user computing, um, you know, and, and solving the problems out at the end-user and, and, and kind of didn't worry so much about the, the data center piece of it. So it allowed us to focus and it allows us to make some more investments, frankly. So when you got back in, now you're now you're firmly in the IT software world with Landesk at that time. And this is what two thousand seven. This was two thousand. No, this was two thousand ten. Two thousand ten. That's yeah. right. Okay. okay. Yeah. So what had changed again with the IT world in that was it again sort of the similar problems, but just increasingly complex problems and ways to solve them. I mean, is that? Yeah. By this time, um, we really started to see security. Okay, coming that was to suddenly the fore. a big thing that everybody Yeah, cared that about. became more and more important. Um, this that, refers to the, the, almost the shift that you spoke about earlier. Yeah, and, the, and then we started and we started to see mobile really, mm-hmm. really changing the dynamic. Cloud was, you know, just at this point in 2010 was starting to become more integral, right? You still had, you know, Salesforce was kind of the one-man mm-hmm. band out there sing, singing the, you know, you remember they had software with the cross through it right right, right. so you were just starting to see cloud take off and and so it was we were just kind of at the front end of 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 the end user computer environment becoming super complex and, and IT um, really starting to struggle to keep up mm-hmm. um, and, and so we started to see mixing of buying centers we started to see you know the the, the service delivery and service support teams uh, the the um, the desktop operations teams right that they they needed to be talking more, um, but even then you know but then it was it was even more siloed I think it is than it is today mm-hmm. right because mobile was coming on and so they were hiring mobile teams to manage mobile devices and buying special technology for mobile devices and and it was becoming really siloed at a time when it was becoming really complex and so um, it it was um, it was it's creating this it's creating this basically a model for IT that I think is totally unsustainable, right? We will never keep up with the pace of change um, if we don't change that. But that's really when we started to see it really solidify. So when you're at Landesk at that point in 2010, what year did you become CEO? Was it 2010? It was 2010, yeah. So you're in, at Landesk in 2010. How big is Landesk at that point? So we were um, we were about 100, uh, we were about 600 people. Okay. At the time, we were doing about 140 million, I think, in revenue. And so, almost, I mean, it's significant. What was it before? 15 million when you first came on back in way back when? Way back yeah, when like the first, yeah, or 96. Was. When I came on in 2007, the year before, we had done 90, just over 90 million dollars in revenue. Okay. And then, um, then by 2006, we we were so that was that was 2006. By 2010, we were about 140. And, um, um, and, and, and we'd kind of been a little bit stifled the previous year. So, so it was interesting when, when Emerson bought us, um, Emerson's very good at managing earnings and they didn't want to have a stub year with, with Landesk earnings in it. So they went out right out of the gate and said, Landesk is a discontinued operation because then they could exclude us from their earnings report. Well, you can imagine you know, the, what that does <laughs> yeah, to the business, sure, right? Sure. <laughs> and it took us about nine months from the time they offered, you know, they, they made that statement to when we finally consummated the deal, right, and got the mm-hmm. deal done. And so there was nine months that we were operating as discontinued operation. Our, our, hard our, to keep people. Hard yeah, to keep, keep people, uh, customers, customers. Our that's, competitors that's, are having a heyday oh with gosh, us. Nine months of hell there, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. 
And so we, when we spun out, you know, it was, it was rough. It was a rough, rough year or two after, after we spun out. And, and at the time we were, you know, we had, we were basically a one product company. We were desktop systems management, PC lifecycle management. And so, um, so, you know, we, we knew the team, you know, the executive team knew we had to, we had to start diversifying. We had to get out of that, that one space because that space was, um, it's a rough, it was a rough competitive space, um, uh, and and ASPs were dropping really quickly and and uh, and so we we went on a concerted effort of let's get let's write the ship let's get customers you know we a bunch of us just went out and met with customers talked to them let them know we're here we're going to make investment talk to analysts you know just try to to steady the ship uh, and then and then we went on a concerted effort to diversify outside of um, just that one PC lifecycle management product and. And today, that 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 product only makes up about um, less than it's about ten percent mm-hmm. of our new business. Wow! Right? So, yeah. so you've succeeded in diversifying. So over that, yeah, yeah. that next six years, it was all focus on diver- diversification. And you've talked a lot about internally, right? Um, and this will probably be, you know, we'll talk about Avanti a little bit here. But you've seen the growth. I guess two questions related to this. When you were at Landesk, even back in the 90s, and then when you took over as CEO in 2010, did you foresee, honestly, what now Avanti would become? Was that sort of in the grand vision? And then the second question related to that is, when you think back now onto what Landesk was when you first started, maybe even in the Intel days or when you first started as CEO, it's got to be a little bit surreal to see the change and the growth and the the acquisitions come together and the product strategies change. And the, like you said, the diversification with, we now talk about ITAM and ITSM and, and IT security a lot. Just kind of walk through that, what that was like then to now and then now looking back as well. Yeah, I think, um, I think back then life was a lot simpler, right? We had one, one area to focus on we, and, and we just went after it yep. maniacally. Um, now, um, you know, what, what I see, so if I look back, it's kind of like, your life, right? You realize you're where you're at. And when you look back, you think, wow, you know, I've changed a ton, but in the process, you don't recognize it. So, so if I spend the time to kind of sit back and think about, okay, here's, wow, this, there's a lot of change. We've, we, we've done, we've, we're, we're a lot different than we were back in the nineties. Um, but just going through it, it's just, your, you know, it's just that natural evolution. So, but, um, you know, I think, um, I think the biggest, um, you know the biggest reward is that there are there are still people here that were at at Landesk when I was part of Intel mm. that were there when I showed up. You know in the mid '90s, uh, and uh, to me that just tells me you know it's it's it continues to be exciting, and we continue to solve new problems and we're we're evolving and you know it's it's it is a very different company than it was back uh, in the early '90s and it's like we're working for a new company. It's cool. Yeah, I, I think. Uh, one thing I noticed is it's it's taken a similar trajectory, yeah, as you describe your career, you know, yeah. start off at, at mechanical engineering and yeah. then you know finance and marketing. It's almost like Landesk has taken a similar kind of path, a roundabout, tried different things. We you know with you look at different a- uh, acquisitions now that Avanti has had. Right. You know it, it's it you've got to let it evolve and kind of ride the wave and see where it takes you rather than force it into a yeah. specific. Spot. No, I think you're right, and and I think you know the power in that is that you really you really bring to bear a very diverse skill set, 
to solve these problems. Um, and I think that's, I think that's important in a personal career. You know, my, my kids asked me, well, what would you do? And I said, I wouldn't worry about, you know, what you're going to be. I would try a lot of different things. I would, I would go through, you know, in school, try a bunch of different things and see what excites you and, and, and then go into that. Um, in your career, don't, don't, you know, don't map out a career that says I'm going to be this manager, then this manager, right. then this VP, and then that, right? And sure. try a bunch of different things. And I think a company is the same way, right? If you, if you, if you're, if you're continuing to kind of evolve and learn and grow and you're bringing in, you know, new people. I mean, the biggest part of these acquisitions that we've done is the people that come in and they bring in a different perspective, they bring in a different DNA, and then that that combined DNA is much more powerful, much more evolved, much more resilient than, you know, than just, you know, this maniacal focus on one thing. So, sorry, Steve. I was going to say, looking back at your career, though, is there anything that you would have changed or uh, done differently? Because it looks from the outside, it looks like short of allowing Morton to hire Steve and I. Would that short of that one? Short of that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So other than that, <laughs> yeah. Is there anything that you would have done different? Because it it looks from the outside, quite honestly, like you've taken the right steps or not taken a step, like go to to Novell. Yeah. It was. <laughs> yeah. Is there anything you would have done differently, like in general or, or specifically? Do you ever drive by a building under construction and see the HVAC ducts and think, man, I wish I was doing that. I wish I was that. <laughs> I could be on that roof. I could be doing right that now. right now. Cooling no. that building. And, 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 you know, frankly, no. Everything has been, um, everything has, you know, there's a quote that I love, the, the universe is conspiring for your, for your good. And it feels like it, it's, all, it's all worked out. And, and I know that's, not because I'm just the luckiest guy. It's just that those opportunities, I think, you know, what what makes a person lucky is that they're they're able to just take a chance when they see a good opportunity. Mm-hmm. And you know, Warren Buffett once said, you you know, life is going to pitch you all these all these pitches, and your job is just to wait for the meatiest pitch mm-hmm. and pitch. then swing for the fence with it. And and I think with that attitude, you become the luckiest man in the room. That's awesome. That's great. So just a couple more questions. We know you're a busy guy. We'll let you go. You, um, Steve mentioned, you know, career path and things. One of the things that strikes me is the persistence right early on. How does that applying for a job at Intel five times, dealing with the stress of 13 months of a startup and funding and, you know, issues with partnership group at a startup, right? How does that help you keep a level head and focused even amongst the chaos of now running a big company and, challenges that come with that and you, you know what I mean all yeah. the all this it's very different of course than than you know what Landesk used to be and what the other companies you've worked at how does that help you now yeah I think I think I've learned you know I used to think it was the smartest guy in the room that was going to be successful I, I've learned it's the it's the one that's willing to work the artist and to, to kind of can to see you know what there's a chance we fall off the cliff here but I'm going to keep pushing forward right don't don't bail when the, the going gets tough, like I was about to do um, with right. Novell, right? Um, that that uh, the, that you can always you always figure you can always if you got smart people, um, and and this isn't this isn't universally true, but you will usually figure out a way to to be right. successful. You may not hit a home run, but you'll you and we didn't with Serrati, right? We we could have gone a lot longer and probably got a bigger exit and those types of things, but. Um, but you'll you'll land on your feet, and so and it's the same it's the same now running a five hundred million dollar company is, 
you know, it's just a, it's a, there's going to be challenges. Uh, and if we just push through it with, with people that are willing to work hard, then uh, you'll get there. Eventually, we'll get there. Yeah. 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 And then finally for me, and then whatever Steve has as well, but finally for me is put on your, your looking into the future hat and tell us. Yeah. That's where I want to go. It's a good hat. Yep. We actually have it here on the desk. Yeah. Um, <laughs> is where do you see Avanti in five years? Or and, I explained the IT world as yeah, a whole. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Where do you see the IT world? What's different than now? And then where do you see Avanti? Yeah, I see the IT. I, th- I think we're at, we're at a pivot point. We're at a kind of a, a turning point for IT because, and particularly when you start to talk about end-user computing, because the way that we evolve, the way I've watched IT evolve is become very siloed. Uh, and you think about for, for us, um, IT has, they have a, a group called Desktop Operations that's, that's going to help us uh, keep our software on our laptops updated. There's a mobile group that helps us keep, you know, keep our mobile devices up and running. There's a security group to keep us secure. There's a service delivery group to keep us, you know, to, to deliver services and yet another group in service support that, that, that helps us when we have problems. There's um, for the, vir- the guys that are using virtual, there's a vir- another group that's virtual. Super, I mean, the, it's, it's a super. It can be siloed, yeah. It's, it's super siloed. It's super siloed, and that is, it's a, it's a flawed model. It, uh, it, where else in the world would you, would you approach the problem of keeping us running and secure by just going at it with a bunch of different, you know, with a bunch of different silos? And so I think, I think there's an opportunity for IT and, and I think the, the the problem with it is one, it's 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 expensive. IT has to stitch a bunch of things together across organizations, keep uh, communication paths open. It's it's becomes really expensive. It becomes insecure because you got all these handoffs, places that you could drop the ball, and and when you do have an incident, it's really hard to respond. You know, you think an incident, these incident response teams, when something breaks out, and they, it's like eighty seven people sitting in a room trying to coordinate how do we go after and solve the, you know, <laughs> right. figure out where the breach was right. and, and how right. do we fix it, right? And so right. Um, there's an opportunity, and there's an opportunity for IT, if IT will unite and, and, and bring together and unify IT, when, particularly when it comes to end-user computing, uh, it will make life a lot easier for IT, and IT can get out of this treadmill of trying to keep up with all of the change that's going on in IT right now, and, and, and it's just consuming IT, and they can't raise their head above the noise and focus on, you know, where should we be going? How should we be delivering services? How can we better serve, a, you know, a customer base of users that is very tech savvy and just wants to do it themselves? And so I think there's, I think we'll see over the next three to five years, we'll see a change in IT. And IT will, there'll still be specialists. There'll still be people that know mobile really well. There'll still be security specialists. Yeah, sure. But they'll have to be a, 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 a function within IT that crosses those silos and really looks at how do, you know, how are we solving user, real user problems? And are we creating solutions where the users want to come to us, right? They, they, they want to come to IT instead of going to Google or going out on the web to try to figure out what the what the problem is. Uh, it's almost like a concierge model, right? Where, where I want to come to IT because they're, they're really smart. They know how to do this and I don't have to go hunt and peck, try to figure out. But in order to do that, IT has to, has to, has to take a different approach. They have to cross those silos. They have to unify IT in a way um, that really focuses on the service and, and, what the, and, and what the end user wants to do. 
So that that's I, that's where that's where the industry's going. I believe that's where Ivanti's going. Bring yeah, that you've together. You laid that out very clearly. Is our sort of mission is to help and, IT do that. Let's help IT do that. And 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 it, the benefits will pay off huge for for IT and for the company. IT will be much more aligned with the business. Be able to focus on what are the strategic priorities, uh, and and offload a lot of this grimble work and this this mm-hmm. the, the 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 complexity that is is just bogging down. Right. IT. I'll offload that to tools and automation and workflows. Absolutely. and that's right. Well, thank you for uh, taking some time. You know how busy you are. Well. We have an inkling of how busy you are. (laughs) Connect with us and other fans on the Interchange IT Podcast Facebook page and on Twitter at Interchange Pod. And give us reviews wherever you listen to your podcast. And most importantly, subscribe to the podcast. You can email us, interchangeitpodcast at avanti.com. Finally, thank you to Big Giant Circles for your music. Good luck. Change IT Podcast is brought to you by Avanti, a software company that helps you succeed in every aspect of your job, including operational IT security, asset management, service management, and supply chain management. Find out more at Avanti.com.